El Extraordinario. Extraordinario. It's 6 p.m. and I'm back in Bern to meet Oliver Davis, the collector who claims to have a bloom box. I think his box could be the same one I saw in the photograph in Lausanne because he mentioned the Latin phrase in the message he left me and... Oh, excuse me, are you Emma? Um, yes, hi. Oliver? That's me. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Have you been waiting long or...? No, no, I, I just got here. Oh, great. Um, shall we...? Sure. My shop is is just up there. Yeah, I know. I was standing outside when I left you the message. I saw your number on the door. Oh, right. Sorry I wasn't open that day. See, I'm, I'm renovating a house in Geneva, and the, the guy who helps me out with the shop off sick again. No problem. Thanks for coming today, by the way. Do you mind if I record this conversation? It's for the podcast I was telling you about. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. No problem. Uh, are you already recording? Yeah. Hmm, you're American, aren't you? Yep. I was born in New York, but I live in London now. Oh, I lived in New York for a couple of years. Where are you from? Me? Oh, I'm English, uh, but I've lived all over the place. Well, here we are. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me just... Mind your head on the way down. Oh, okay, thanks. Just a minute, I'll uh, just switch the lights on. It's, it's here somewhere. This one is rather beautiful, I have to say. Whoa. It really is. Can I hold it? Sure. Yeah, here. It's smaller than I expected, but it's heavier than it looks. Yes, that's because of the wood. It's, it's a particularly dense type of wood. And... Could you tell me how you got hold of it? Oh, sure. I traded it with a collector a while ago. Um, he told me he'd picked it up around maybe 10 or 12 years ago, maybe even 15. Uh, they found it in an old warehouse amongst the belongings of a female painter who'd lived there. Mm-hmm. So, are you interested in buying it? <laughs> yeah, of course. I'd love to. What's the asking price? Well, it's an extremely rare and exceptional type of box. Um, I'm sure you're aware there are only maybe 10 or, or, or 12 of these were ever made. Yeah, I'm aware. So, for you, I can do 10,000 francs. 10,000? That's right. Um, I'm afraid I, I can't afford that. Uh, well, I'm, 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 I might be able to give you a, a small discount, but, you know, considering the type of box it is... I can't lower it much. Oh, can you just excuse me for a minute? Sorry. Oh, sure. Uh, 
Sorry? I can't hear you. I said, I can't hear you. Just... Wait a minute. Just hang on. Just hang on a second. and the door just slammed shut. I don't know if he closed it or... The, the lights just went out. And I'm gonna... No problem. Welcome to the Bristol. And just let me know if you need anything. Yeah, okay. Thank you. <sighs> I'm on my way up to the hotel room I just booked at the hotel. I managed to get out of the store through another door I found, just as... I'm... First, I'm gonna find my room. 303, 303, found in. <sighs> okay, okay, let's see. I don't know exactly what happened back at the shop, but Oliver went outside after he heard a noise, and the door shut, and then the lights went out. I looked for another way out, and I found a door that opened onto another flight of stairs. It, it was a narrow staircase. Just as I was about to walk up the stairs, I heard the door open again, so I turned around expecting to see Oliver, but it wasn't him. It was some other guy. It was dark inside, so I, I couldn't make out his face, and... I don't think he saw me. I climbed up the other stairs and I came out by a, another entrance at street level and I ran off. I don't know who that man was or what was going on, but it felt like the best thing to do. I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't see me and I don't think he followed me here. I took the box, okay? I don't know if I should have, but I did. I didn't stop and think. I just put it in my backpack and ran out. I've brought it with me into the room and it's... I think it's the box in the photo. 
I'm going to program Ursula's melody. box is... it's started to vibrate. The vibration is... it's... I feel... Emma must have called me that afternoon, perhaps on her way to the hotel or, or when she got locked inside the collector's shop. I didn't see her call until that evening, and when I phoned her back, she, she didn't pick up. I just didn't think much of it at the time. Later that evening, I sat down at my computer and listened to the audio files from her recorder which she'd synced up with her phone. Emma had configured them to be sent to me automatically. What you just listened to were the rough cuts. It was late and she wasn't returning my calls, so I rang Amanda, and as soon as I told her what had happened, she drove to Burn. Amanda went round all the hospitals in the city until she found her. Emma... Uh... Emma had jumped out of the window in her room on the third floor. She landed on a car that was parked just under the window and luckily she's here to tell us what happened. I asked David to narrate this part of the story because I remember very little from that night. 
It's been three months. And if it weren't for those recordings, I would never have known why I went to that hotel in Bern or what I was doing in the room before I jumped. The last thing I remember is meeting Oliver under the clock tower on Kramgasse. And then... Everything just goes blank. I woke up in a hospital room in pain and unable to move. It was a couple of days after the fall, and at first I thought I'd been drugged. David was there with Amanda, and they played me the recordings. Whoever it was that came into the hotel room took the box and the backpack with my laptop and my phone. All the documents I'd saved in the cloud had disappeared. Someone had deleted them. Luckily, David received a copy of the last recordings, and thanks to them, I was able to convince the police and the hospital staff that I hadn't tried to commit suicide. Someone was with me in the room, and that person turned off the recorder. When they went to check the security cameras at the hotel, they were told that the footage had been erased. Apparently, the standard procedure is to store it for 30 days, but for some reason they didn't do it this time. Up until now, I've also been unable to get in contact with Oliver Davis, the collector. So, there's no one to corroborate my story. This is all so... awful. Someone broke into the hotel room and through that strange sound, or I don't know how, put me into some kind of trance so I'd jump out of the window. That's what I've been able to figure out after listening to the recording a million times. Someone didn't want me to have the box. Someone may also have hurt Oliver, or at least scared the living daylights out of him. And that same person tried to kill me. I would never have started recording this podcast if I'd have thought it would end like this. But despite everything I've been through, I'm not afraid. I've said I don't remember much about that night because I do remember one thing. I remember the vibration of the box and the intense feeling of joy that enveloped me. I remember dreaming that I was a bird escaping my own body. I remember flying really high, as if all that joy was propelling me to rise faster and faster. And when I was up in the sky with my bird beak and my bird throat, I started to sing, but I wasn't the only one singing. Everything was singing. Every single being. <laughs> it was a song full of secrets and beauty. It was the most beautiful music I've ever heard. As I became one with that symphony, fear and sorrow faded away. I was no longer alone. I would never be alone again. Now the world was singing for me. Of course, I have no way of knowing that the feeling of calmness that came over me was due to the box's vibration. It could very well have been caused by the drugs they injected into me at the hospital combined with my own powers of suggestion. I know I'll never be able to prove it, but I don't need to either. Despite the horrors of waking up in that hospital and being told what had happened, despite the hell of the rehabilitation, a part of me is still up there in the sky, 
caught in the moment, singing happily ever after. Three months later, after going over everything again and again in my head, I've decided to release this podcast because everything that's in it is the truth. This is my story, and I also want the world to hear Ursula Bloom's story. I owe her that much, at least. This journey ends where it begins, with a voice message from Clara Torres. Hi, David. It's Clara. Um, I'm sending this to you instead of Emma because um, I don't have her number and I still have yours. <laughs> Um, I haven't changed my mind, okay? I don't want to talk to her about Ursula Bloom ever again, and I don't want to have anything to do with this. But, um, there's one thing that Emma isn't going to find because it is in my possession. It's a letter that Ursula sent to her cousin. Um, her family in the US forwarded it to me, and even though I don't want to be a part of the podcast, I can't shake the feeling that Emma should have this letter. I'm going to email you a copy so you can pass it on to her, okay? Um, <laughs> I know it must be so weird to receive this message considering you haven't heard from me for so long and <laughs> the way I just disappeared, but uh, I don't know. Um, I'm sorry about everything. Hmm? Say hi to Alex for me too, okay? I hope you're both doing great. Bye. Thank you, Clara. Thanks for sending me this letter. I can't think of a better way to end this story than with Ursula's own words. Dear cousin, your last letter arrived a few hours ago, and as requested, I have sent you a telegram. Now that there's an ocean between us, I couldn't bear the thought of you worrying about me during these last few weeks. I am safe and well. Although you might find this hard to believe, I can take care of myself. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I don't mind you insisting, but nothing is going to change my mind. I can't join you over there. I can't leave Switzerland. You know perfectly well the bond that ties me to this land and these mountains, and you know that I would perish if I ever stopped hearing them sing. This is where I was born and raised, and this is where I will die. I've traveled enough in my lifetime to know this, so please, I beg you, stop insisting. You've known me since I was born. You know I will not give in. But I don't want you to keep worrying. Of course, I'm going to take your advice. I have no intention of confronting your father. Fighting them will always be a losing battle. I've come to Lugano and I plan to settle here for a while. I'll focus only on my painting and avoid anything that might upset them again. I'm sure they'll reach out to us at some point to make amends. They need me, after all. But I'm not sure that I'll be able to forgive them. I know what I'm about to say sounds horrible, but those months in the field hospitals so close to the war changed me. I'm no longer afraid to speak my mind, and I wish from the bottom of my heart that they were dead. I want people like them, selfish, miserly, mean people, people who play with the weak and throw us into these wars, to disappear from the face of the earth. I know I'm talking about your father, but I could also be talking about mine. Don't you see they're all the same? They have the power to change things, to stop a large part of human suffering in its tracks, but they can only think of themselves. And you and I have served them for so many years. Remember the first time they let us go to a ceremony? We were barely 10 years old. 
It was one of the happiest days of my life. I felt like I was part of something big, something important, something good. But it was nothing but a pompous facade that hid a disgusting spider web of lies. That is all they are. And what did they expect us to do? They expected us to keep weaving, expanding the web, to benefit a hierarchy of insatiable spiders. Although spiders are more respectable, because spiders are not parasites. I know you well enough to say that you're probably a little concerned after reading this, but I'm only doing this to get it off my chest. Don't worry, I won't confront them. I'm not stupid. But I don't regret what we did either. For us, sharing what we knew felt like a moral duty. With my gift and your boxes, we could have changed the world. We could have done so much good. Alas, there's no point in crying over it now. Please write back soon and tell me how you're doing over there. I miss you terribly and I hope everything blows over and we can meet again in the near future. I'd love for us to go for a walk again in the Alps, just like when we were young. I'd love for us to lay on the grass and listen to the birds as I whisper their songs back to you. After seeing all that horror, after living through so many dark days, it's easy to forget about the happy times. But remember that human affairs are nothing more than an insignificant aspect of the world. A world that is full of beauty. All you have to do is stop and listen. With all my love, Ursula. is an audio drama produced by El Extraordinario, created, written, and directed by Carmen Pacheco and Manuel Bartual, with the special collaboration of Switzerland Tourism, who helped bring Ursula Bloom to life and made this story possible. This podcast is an English adaptation of the multi-award-winning Spanish podcast, also called Bloom. Translation, Laura F. Farhall and Marcus H. Edited by Jessica Ruiz de Camp, Rachel Tuckwell, and Mara Vélez. Sound design, Ignacio Cantizano and Andreu Quesada. Original music, Van Delay. Producer, Marina Alonso Carriazo. Executive producers, Marina Alonso Carriazo and Marcus H. Starring Charlotte Vega, Joe Manjón, Nikki Garcia, and Natalia Tena. With the voices of Thomas Bishop Berger, Natalie Pinot, Rocío León, Olivia Del Can, Jonathan D. Meller, Ricardo Rigamonti, Jason Fernandez, Paloma Bloyd, Andy B. Robinson, David Laferriere, Isabel Stoffel, Katarina Max Sharkard, Gerald Richley, Peter Denlo, Ralph Bleisner, Kaspar Simon, and Marcus H. While the podcast mentions real people and events, Ursula Bloom is a fictional character and not inspired by any actual painter. To discover more about the boutique cities and museums featured in the story, visit myswitzerland.com slash bloom. Legal notice. We are not responsible for any mental or physical effects that the music in this story may cause.